Hello and welcome to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. Yes, he's, well, he's not back. I can see him. He's not back yet because that looks a heck of a lot different than our Toronto studio, what I can see right now. But he's here and he is back on the show. Uh, How was, well, I listened to some of your work yesterday and we will play some of it. Uh, Donovan sat down with Sam Joffrey, the executive director of the Las Vegas Super Bowl host committee. And we will play a chunk of that interview later. You can find the whole thing on the going deep podcast. Um, How have you enjoyed your time so far in Vegas as it comes to an end and you get to come home today? Don't tell my wife, (laughs) don't tell my kids, but I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Listen, man, I can't underscore this enough. This, if not already, is rapidly becoming the sports capital of the world. And I'm someone, I don't know about you, Marchese, when I go on vacation, I need a sporting event tied in somehow, some way. And obviously F1 is coming up recently. They've got the Super Bowl. They've got the NCAA tournament on the way, college football playoff, on and on and on. That's on top of the fact that the Knights won a championship. The Aces won a championship. Newsflash, Oakland A's fans, your team's coming to Vegas. Like, we don't know when, we don't know exactly how, but they will be there. And, like, one of the worst kept secrets, I suppose, is that the NBA will have a full-time team in Las Vegas. So uh, you could mix the level of hospitality with the level of sporting attractions. Your boy is a happy boy right now. I mean, as you should be. Um, but... The the one thing, and uh, just for our listeners, we are going to be joined by Adam Rank in just a few minutes. We had to change up the time a little bit because he's got to be a parent and he's got to take his kids to school. Uh, so we'll talk to him in a couple minutes. You know, the one thing that I think about when I think of Vegas, I think big, I think elaborate, I think basically the adult amusement park. And so when I think of Vegas and the Super Bowl, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to what this is going to be like because this for me, and I feel like you're going to be of the same opinion is going to be bigger than anything that we've seen. And not saying a lot, considering how big the Super Bowl is, this feels like it's going to be next level. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to think there is a couple of cities that are on the Super Bowl rotation, Miami, Atlanta, New Orleans, now that they have a stadium to do it justice, L.A. will be there. And you have to add Vegas to that equation in terms of what the rotation is going to look like. Outside of, well, you build a new stadium, we'll give you one. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, there's going to be this built-in rotation. There's no sporting event that is bet on more than the Super Bowl. There, there's no area where you can place bets easier and more frequently. You know, you can w- literally wake up out of your hotel uh, bed, walk downstairs into your hotel, into a sports book and place a bet and, and, and watch uh, the game. So I think the convergence for me with gambling and how really it's not only legalized, but normalized, the NFL, which has always been a leader in gambling, whether the NFL wanted to be front and center around it or not, um, and the, the corporate party that is the Super Bowl, in a city where it's a convention city, they're often having corporate parties. It'll be it'll be huge. I'm I'm really interested because Vegas, the one sporting event that they're not in on is the World Cup. Uh, in terms of it coming to North America, I'm I'm really interested to see what Super Bowl in Vegas looks like relative to all the other Super Bowls we've seen. And then 
moving forward if they've raised the bar on what hosting Super Bowl will be like. So, uh, so we will hear again uh, from Sam Joffrey, who's the executive director of the Las Vegas Super Bowl host committee. Um, the news of today, and this is one that we'll get into with Adam Rank. I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, J.C. Jackson did not travel to Germany with the New England Patriots, who just acquired him not long ago from the L.A. Chargers. I don't know what is going on here. They're talking about his reliability. Like, I don't even know what that means. Reliability. Like, are you worried he's not going to show up to the stadium? Like, are you worried that he's not a good player? I mean, there's a reason why the horrible Chargers did not play him during his time there this year. And he was hurt a lot of last year. Does this just speak more to Bill Belichick? Just Hall of Shame GM here. You acquire a player without a plan, clearly. And unless, when, when I saw this news break, my thought was, does he not have a passport? Like, which for us as Canadians seems weird. But, you know, if you spent some time in America or, or live there or work there, there are many Americans who don't have passports because they don't or haven't had the opportunity to leave the country. Because traveling within that country is almost like traveling sometimes out, out of country. I was like, does he not have a passport? Does he not have a valid passport? These are things when you build the schedule, you think about and take care of. But remember, this is a player that they acquired. So maybe you wouldn't have gone through those steps in the preseason. Short of something like that, short of that news breaking tied to this, this to me reaffirms the fact that I, I feel like Bill Belichick in his later years has been a bit uh, asleep at his desk, if you will. And one of the things talking to you know different journalists in Las Vegas from uh, around the world that's covering you know the NFL is you know some of the Boston journalists were telling me you know in the press box on Sunday that in Boston call-in shows are starting to say it's time to remove. Bill Belichick, and it's not just about uh, if, it's when. And do you dare do it in season? Is anything left of the season salvageable? Does he have a staff where, outside of Bill O'Brien, anyone on it you'd trust? It's getting bad in uh, Massachusetts relative to this team. And I think acquiring this player, not having a plan for them, and, and him not playing, and for them, is a real meaningful game. Uh, it, it underscores a lot of those feelings. What was your first reaction when you saw the push alert? Well, it was, it was, um, you know, is, is JC Jackson um, happy about this? Probably. I mean, uh, maybe he's not, he's getting paid, so he probably doesn't care. The other thing I thought of was how does, you know, he had an arrest issue warrant um, uh, that was in September, uh, criminal speeding from 2021. I wonder if that played a part in it, but then they would just say it. Like we all know it's out there. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but it does kind of underscore what we've been seeing with Bill Belichick, the general manager. Uh Adam Rank is on the line from NFL Network, our our Wednesday weekly insider uh from the NFL Network and the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank. A little bit earlier for you today. How are you doing this morning? Not you don't have the sleepy eyes, you're all good. You got kids, so you've been up probably since six AM. No, we've been up for quite some time. I was sitting here listening, and I felt, I don't know, I was sitting here listening to this conversation, and I wanted to jump in yes, so Yes, please do. Because, no, it's, it's amazing because it does happen. 
to everybody. I was hanging out with one of my friends this weekend who is a huge Syracuse fan and obviously college basketball in the United States just tipped off over the weekend. And so you look at Syracuse and Jim Beheim was there for what, 47 years. And eventually he was summarily deposed. You know, he, they got rid of him. You know, at some point the fans are like, uh, this is great. Uh, it's been a wonderful time. You got to go. We've seen this all over the sports landscape. I think that when Don Shula retired from the Miami Dolphins, people were ready to go. We're ready for him to go. Tom Landry, uh, when he was done with the with the Dallas Cowboys, people were ready for him to go. There are even fans in Pittsburgh who get annoyed because Mike Tomlin doesn't win enough Super Bowls. Apparently, being in the playoffs every year isn't enough. Things like that. And so it's no shock that Boston fans or fans in the greater New England area or kids who grew up in the middle of the country who are like, I'll be a Patriots fan. And now we're like, oh, yeah, this isn't going to be like this every year. They now want to see some change. And I don't know that I, I, you know, part of it, you know, there's a magical run when you have somebody like, you know, Tom Brady with you. You know, I was thinking about the Beatles the other day and Paul McCartney has had a successful post Beatles career. I think his, uh, his independent stuff, the stuff with the wings, all that stuff has been pretty good. Bill Belichick has not quite been to that level. It's funny because you mentioned Don Shula, and I think we all uh, believe that Bill Belichick is not going to stop coaching until he surpasses Don Shula. So if it's not going to be in New England, he'll probably want to coach somewhere else, and it might be odd seeing him wearing a cutoff hoodie of a different logo. But you know this, Rank. Many of our listeners probably don't realize Vince Lombardi didn't end with the Packers. He ended with Washington. Can you imagine a scenario where Bill Belichick is patrolling the sideline of the Los Angeles Chargers or name your team, the Chicago Bears, name your team Mm. who might make a switch uh, at the end of the year? Yeah, I, I mean, the Chargers are probably one of the first ones to come to mind. And then he would walk into a situation where he's got a good quarterback. He's got Justin Herbert. And, okay, that's a little bit different than playing with Mac Jones and, you know, some of the other quarterbacks that they've brought out there post-Tom Brady. I know that the the Lombardi thing, actually, I don't believe it was as bad as people, because nobody remembers it. Although, if you ever look at photos and you see the the Washington football organization of that era, I think it was 70 or 71, they had yellow yellow helmets with a red R that looked like Packers helmets. And if you ever wondered why that was, it was a, it was Vince Lombardi trying to make them look like the Packers, like trying to redo it. And I absolutely will see him. He will coach again. Somebody will take a chance. uh, Maybe Atlanta, Tennessee, who knows? I think that it could be a situation similar to Andy Reid. Andy Reid was another coach who went out there and people thought, like, the game is done with him. He 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 can't get it done. He can't win the big one. He can't get it done anymore. And he goes from Philadelphia to Kansas City. He's successful with Alex Smith. But we see now with Patrick Mahomes, he's taken it to another level. And so now I look at perhaps Bill Belichick being let go and being allowed to go to one of those teams that, you know, might need a quarterback or might have a new quarterback or something like that. So, I definitely believe he will coach again. 
and it will be odd for him to be on his third stop because people, you want to go even weirder, go look at him up, go look him up in his old Browns gear. But I'm, I'm convinced he's, he's not going to be done coaching. I can't believe that we got there. Okay. So since we're talking about that and you, you mentioned the Vince Lombardi thing, and I think it's perfect for, for to segue into this, um, him changing things to want to be like the Packers. What about this Josh McDaniels thing where, and they're, they're talking and uh, Antonio Pierce is like, you know, when we played the the Patriots and, you know, nobody thought we could win. And then, and I believe that this story is true. Josh McDaniels says, don't talk about the Patriots like that. Like what, what is it about the Patriot way that people think that they can take it elsewhere and it works? Like it hasn't worked anywhere else but New England. The proof is in the pudding. Look how bad all the coaches have been that have left the the Bill Belichick tree and then had to come back because they haven't had success. Like, what is it about that that doesn't work in other organizations? Is it something simple as Tom Brady was the buffer between Bill Belichick and the rest of the players, and that's what made it work? Is it as simple as something like that? There's a big part of that. And I would I would have to say, you know, the most successful coach from the Parcells coaching tree, who wasn't really on his staff, but he was a former Patriot, is Mike Vrabel's done a pretty nice job in Tennessee, although they're three and five this year, looking at a top 10 NFL pick. He's done okay. But for the rest of them, I think it is, you know, having that mindset of like everything that we tried, everything that we accomplished with New England is replaceable here, but it's not. not and I'm not saying that you have to have Tom Brady, but you have to have an elite level quarterback. Bill O'Brien never had an elite level quarterback when he was the head coach of the Houston Texans. Romeo Cornell was in there. Uh, Charlie Weiss went to what was it? Notre Dame and Kansas never was quite able to replicate it there. Josh McDaniels has tied his NFL coaching career. The two quarterbacks that Josh McDaniels has said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to make my bread and butter in the NFL were Tim Tebow and Jimmy Garoppolo. Those were the choices he made. He's like, this is how I'll do it. This is how the Patriot way worked. No, no, no. If he had gone to some place, if Josh McDaniels had replaced Mike McCarthy and he went to Green Bay and he was coaching Aaron Rodgers for a couple of, now that might've worked and you might've been, oh, see, it's the Patriot. It's similar. I mean, think of all the former Green Bay coaches and offensive coordinators that have now started to go other places. You know, Nathaniel Hackett goes to Denver and he's not very good. Uh, Luke Getze is struggling with Chicago. We see that come up like Adam Gase, you know, another guy who Adam Gase coached Peyton Manning and Jay Cutler to their, their best seasons. I say this in air quotes. So Adam Gase, who was coaching one, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and two was also coaching Peyton Manning went out there and shockingly could not replicate that success with the Dolphins and the Jets. I think a lot of it, it's, it's, it probably showcases how important quarterbacks are and coaches sometimes might just be along for the ride. You know, if you are a weekend warrior like me and Marchese and uh, try to get athletic exploits with a dad bod, but people who are listening to this always know of the player who sticks around after their game and plays with another team because they don't have enough players, and then they go and they put in work. It will now be known as the Josh Dobbs because that's what he did in the National Football League. It, more impressive, the fact that 
he's a legit rocket scientist, or he led a team to a victory in the NFL with zero snaps throughout the week, was there for five days, and only knew players by their first name or nickname, didn't know any last names, and had to learn the plays in the huddle from his own teammates. That is rather impressive. I, I The rocket scientist thing is fine. You want to put a rover on Mars, I get it. But I would say that winning a champion or winning a football game, a little bit more impressive. And I know Minnesota was just playing, you know, you know, the, who was it? The, what can I even think of the team? Um, the Falcons. Yeah. You, you beat, you beat Arthur Smith. So let's, let's not get too crazy. Uh, you go out there and you outsmart Andy Reed. Then I'll start to, to take a little bit of notice, but it was pretty impressive. And I, I want to sell, I, I, I want to be this person who celebrates uh, Josh Dobbs because I, I think that that's truly incredible. And like you were talking about, I love back in the day, back pre kids, you know, I would go play softball on a Tuesday, Thursday nights. And then if we had that 630 game, I'd stick around with my glove just in case. Hey, wait. Oh, yeah, I'll go play. I'll go play right center for you. I'm in. I'm very impressed by that. But I think it also should be damning if you're Arthur Smith, a purported offensive genius. And this is what we've come up with. This is this is what you're doing that you allow this Viking team. And not only were they not with. They didn't have it, it, Justin Jefferson wasn't there along with like other KJ Osborne was out cam. I know cam makers isn't Justin Jefferson, but still they went out there and accomplished that. So I, that is one of the most impressive things. And I hope that we remember it uh, for quite some time. I, I think it'll become like the Jonas gray game for uh for fantasy football enthusiasts who might not remember, but uh, at my behest years ago, I implored people, Hey, this uh, Jonas Gray should probably start against the Colts. It's a good matchup. He scores four touchdowns. Similarly, I uh, I had to play Josh Dobbs in a two-quarterback league, and uh, it worked out pretty handsomely. Adam Rank from the NFL Network and the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank, joining Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett here on the Fan Checkdown. I'm glad you brought up Arthur Smith because I ripped him a new one yesterday. I'm j- like, mm. you know, the thing about Arthur Smith that I I, I know people know where he comes from. He comes from a lot of money, more money than we could ever dream of. But it feels like every time he is questioned about something, when we can all see that it is wrong, like Bijan Robinson having one carry inside the five yard line all year, or, Mm -hmm. or Tyler Algier, you know, out carrying him 10 to two inside the 10, all of those things, we know that it's wrong, but he doubles down seemingly every time as if to say, Oh Yeah. I'm going to show you that I'm right. And I feel like we are getting closer and closer to him being a, a member of the FedEx team rather than the Atlanta Falcons at the end of the year. Oh, no. Yeah, he's uh, he he might not be long for the NFL. Well, somebody will probably pick him up as an assistant or something like that. So never say never. But, yeah, he reminds me of uh, this guy we knew one time. And we are flying into Las Vegas, and he's like, I've got a system to destroy roulette. You're like, okay, let's see this. (laughs) So he goes in and he puts $5 on black and loses. And then he starts doubling down. Yeah. 10, 20, the Martingale theory. Yep. Yep. Yes. It eventually ends with him losing. He gets a double zero at some point. It was amazing. He lost his whole bankroll in about 12 minutes. If it even (laughs) took that long. And that's, that's what Arthur Smith is like. I, I, at some point, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that perhaps fans try to make it too simplistic 
But at the same time, I feel like simplicity is probably better than your complex schemes and systems. And I think that Josh Dobbs should be prime example number one of this. Like, they had to simplify it. And then you go out there, like, just don't even know these guys' last names. Just go out there, run around, figure it out, and uh, let the chips fall where they may. And for for a lot of these coaches, they want to show everybody how smart they are. I remember sitting there uh, at the Bears game two weeks ago, and I, you know, to pull back the curtain a little bit, I had run into Ryan Poles, and I said, hey, you know what we should do? Now, this is exactly what I said. I said, we should throw the ball deep first play of the game. Like, let Tyson Bajan just air it out. He's like, yeah, okay, sir. And then he walked. He knew who I was, but he walked off. And that's exactly what the Bears did. Huge <laughs> play to Darnell Mooney, who wasn't down, by the way. So that, that should have been a touchdown. But then the next play, you're like, oh, that's smart. Way to go. I should have told him what the second play should have been because then they tried to run a jet sweep right at Khalil Mack. And it's like, why do coaches constantly do this kind of nonsense? Just you got, I don't know. And I, I think that's a problem with a lot of these coaches. And I think Arthur Smith has lived his life without a lot of risk, without a lot of consequences, I'm sure. I mean, when you have that much money and you're like, you know, if you, like I drove a beat up Grand Dam that, you know, I had to be very, very uh, cautious with because it's like, this is my only car and this is all that I can afford. And Arthur Smith was the kid who lived in the Orange Groves who uh, wrecked Bentley's and didn't care because he had no consequences. And it's showing itself right now as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Las Vegas, Rank, I'm coming to you live from the beautiful resorts world in Las Vegas. And it's odd to me that I know we recently had the Pro Bowl here and the draft, but everyone's getting ready for the first Super Bowl Alliance Stadium still has the new car smell. It's still relatively new. And it's just odd to me to fathom a world where this didn't exist before, where the NFL didn't really have a huge relationship with this town and really the Strip. You've been to Super Bowls before. You've obviously been to Vegas before. What do you imagine Super Bowl in Vegas is going to be like later this year? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'm I'm really curious to see how that goes. It is, it has been amazing to see this evolution with the NFL. I remember years ago uh, when I was, you know, this was a uh, mid two thousands when, or no, maybe a little bit later, mid two teens. And Roger Goodell was like, I want NFL revenue to be like 50 billion. And I remember telling somebody who worked for the league office, I said, yeah, the only way that happens is, you know, you start embracing Las Vegas and we have NFL game centers, um, NFL game centers, sponsored by Caesars or Harris. And he's like, yeah, okay, that'll never happen. And uh, it currently has. And you're sitting there in Resorts World, uh, RIP the Stardust and the Westward Ho that used to be right there in that plot of land where you're sitting right now. Uh, a, a much a much more seedier day of Las Vegas, I might add. But here's the thing. When you go to a Las Vegas for events, and I remember back in the day. Now, I'm old enough to remember when UNLV was the top college football or college basketball team of all time, or when there were big fights, you know, there was a, you know, a huge, and I'm talking Tyson fights. There was a buzz in that city that was very hard to replicate. And there was just something about it. Like everybody was there for the same thing. And so I think in our arrogance, 
we think that the Super Bowl is going to be like that, but I, I Vegas is too big now. Like there are way too. I mean, you're sitting there at Resorts World, like that place is massive. If you look out one of your windows, I'm sure that you can see the Fountain Blue, which will be open during the Super Bowl time. That's massive. You can look downtown and you see Circa Las Vegas, and then you look uptown and you see the Cosmo and Vene- Like there is so much going on. There will be so many people in Vegas during a Super Bowl week that won't even know what the Super Bowl is, not care what the Super Bowl is, and just be, a you know, hey, we're just on our thing. We're, we're international travelers. We're coming in from Macau. It doesn't matter. It is just one of those things. So I'm, I'm really curious how Vegas takes to it. I expect to be out there during Super Bowl week, and uh, I'll be staying downtown. It'll be, it'll be wild to figure out, like, how it – because it – it's just so massive. I think back in the day, uh, just speaking of like places like the Stardust and the Frontier and everything that was like Vegas was so much smaller that big events would overtake it. Uh, I'm curious if I'll be wrong. I'm curious to see how F1 does because I know a lot of the locals hate F1 already. Uh, I'm curious to see what they think of the Super Bowl and uh, what that's going to be like. But um, it's going to be amazing, and I think it's been a long time coming. And I'm happy for uh, all the all the Las Vegas people who uh, finally are now recognized for being good fans. So you, your hot take that many years ago was that you know the NFL could make money by just you know embracing Vegas. I had a hot take yesterday. Um, Donovan unfortunately did not hear it. I don't know if he picked it up uh, yesterday online, but here was my take, and I want to see what you think. So CJ Stroud is playing at an incredible clip right now. One of, if not the greatest rookie seasons that we are witnessing to this point. And I said, if the Houston Texans make it to the playoffs, it's because CJ Stroud had to play at this incredible clip the rest of the season because the Texans defense has shown its warts, especially over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. If they do that, CJ Stroud wins the MVP. Am I crazy? Oh my, Yeah. It doesn't happen. It doesn't. Jim Brown's the only one, 1957. But I'm just saying he's playing that well right now to take that team that really nobody had any aspirations for the playoffs, let alone win five games, that I think it's that incredible. If he continues this pace, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't. You're probably not old enough to remember a a publication called Sports Illustrated. I am. I am. I used to have a subscription. They used to, yeah, used to come in the mail. It was yeah, like it was, actual print, printed paper. People are uh, listening to this going, of, what is that? What is that? I have no idea. What, what, what's the mail? Uh, they would, that feels like such a Jeff Perlman, like, hey, the thinking man's MVP. <laughs> and I, you would remember, like, you would read, like, it was the, like, everybody who always talks about clickbait and like, oh, that's clickbait. Like, they've been doing clickbait since, I don't know, the printed word has existed. Like, it is. You want to grab somebody's attention in Sports Illustrated or the Sporting News or whatever your your uh, your publication of choice was would come out with some sort of think piece like that. It makes a lot of sense. You could make a great case for that, and you could lay it out, and you could be like, "This is why this works. This is this," and people will be like, "That's great." Uh, I'm voting for Patrick Mahomes or whomever, whomever's already kissed into the into the equation. It's kind of like Tom Brady never like. I don't think Tom Brady has as many regular season MVPs is Peyton Manning. Like, it's just one of those things. Like, once certain players get into this club, it's like being in a club. Like, once you date a Kardashian, you're sort of now elevated. Like, you're... Your you're NBA career also goes to hell, so there's that, too. Uh, that, there's that. But you're you're now in the A block of TMZ. Um, 
CJ Stroud playing for a Houston franchise that not a lot of people outside of Texas care about. He would have to be no, it just it, on paper, theoretically, a lot of sense. Love it. Great call. Run with that. Uh, is it going to happen in the NFL with these guys who are voting? No, just no. Just to wake up. I'm sorry. I love the idea. I love the thought of it. And by the way, if you're the Cardinals and you thought you were going to have like the two top picks in the draft, how morose are you with the Texans playing so well? I mean, you still got another first round pick where you're like, God, I thought that I thought we were going top five with two picks, but no, not doing that. We need your vote on this. Uh, obviously, uh, you were somehow missed out and omitted, but the list for sexiest man alive via people mm. came out and you got, you know, Timothy Chalamet, Usher, Jamie Foxx, Lenny Kravitz. I was 10th. Oh, were you just, yeah, just yeah. missed an honorable mention? Uh, and Jason Kelsey. And I know Travis Kelsey feels the type of Ooh. way that he's not on this list, but his brother is. But uh, are you giving it to uh, Mr. Twish Push? Are, are you giving it to uh, Big Kelsey for sexiest man alive who tweeted beauty is in the eye of the beholder? And I think he's right. He certainly is right. And again, this goes back to these conversations about like clickbait and sensational headlines. And now everybody's talking about Travis Kelsey because of his relationship with Taylor Swift. Now people have to sit there and they're like, oh, he has a brother. And then they look at his brother and like, oh, they don't quite look alike. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like the one Baldwin that was never in movies <laughs> back in the day. I know that's a dated reference. Cooper up, Manning. Though. Cooper Manning. Cooper Manning. Ah, he's better than Cooper Manning. He's more Eli. Yes, true. Yeah, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah he is. That works. Um, okay, so Jason Kelsey gets your vote. I, I would agree with that. I think I think Jason Kelsey is handsome in his own right. Uh, just like we yes. all think we are. Um, all right, you've got things to do. Thank you so much for doing this as always, my friend, and uh, we'll chat with you next week. Looking forward to it. Enjoy. Don't enjoy Las Vegas too much. And uh, if you don't have a drink in your hand by 830, you're not doing it right. I'm sorry. That's just the way it goes. Those oh, are the rules. Oh, and before you leave, uh, Beige and Orange jerseys tomorrow night. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, all right, buddy. We'll talk next week. Thanks, man. We'll see you then. There he goes. Adam Rank from the NFL Network and the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank. Uh, who is your vote, Donovan, for uh, Sexiest Man Alive? You just have to have a movie I mean, coming out, I'm pretty sure. Listen, I've seen this uh, man in flesh. I have seen him at Catch New York, and it was a table of himself. And I would say around 18 women that were anywhere from age 21 to 27, that would be Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz is a beautiful human being. Uh, whether or not you like his music, uh, I, I think he tops the list. Yeah, I'd go with Jason Kelsey because that would be the closest thing that the the closest look that I would have to being sexiest man alive. So that would be my vote. There's old linemen all over the place rejoicing, saying, I'm tired of the you outkicked your coverage jokes. You know what? We are sexy in our own right. Good I, for Kelsey. I am a good person. I am an offensive lineman. I help my quarterback. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Donovan, uh, a, a quick little uh, piece of the interview that Donovan did with Sam Joffrey from the Las Vegas Super Bowl host committee. Um, and we'll talk about, we'll react to that. And uh, we got some other things to talk about. Like uh, Carson Wentz lands with the Rams. Martavis Bryant is in the league. And I forgot how old he was. Uh, and Will Levis officially named the starter. 
for the Tennessee Titans. That's all when we come back. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. This is the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marquez, Donovan Bennett with you here. As we get you set for this clip here, um, just Donovan, just give us a little background on uh, on the purpose of your trip to Vegas, and uh, and then I guess tee up the the you know what you talked about with with Sam Joffrey. Um, I know what's on the clip. I didn't tell you what was on the clip, but you tell me about your sit down and kind of what you learned from, from this experience. Yeah. So Sam Joffrey is a veteran in terms of putting on Super Bowls. He's the leader of the Super Bowl host committee, which essentially is a committee that comes together to take care of all the logistics and the bidding for the Super Bowl in every city. And then it kind of goes away. He's done this three times in new Orleans, but wanted a new challenge and certainly Doing it for the first time in Vegas was that challenge for him because it'll be a bit of a legacy piece. It'll lay the groundwork for what Super Bowl in Vegas looks like moving forward. And I wanted to know, given everything that is going on, given the real opportunity to have first-class food and beverage in the city and, and have the tone, the values, the culture of the city come through in the Super Bowl, what that might look like, what the challenges are, what it means economically. And I also want to learn, well, F1 is going to be here right before. What learnings, if any, are there from what's going to happen for the first Las Vegas Grand Prix on the Strip that might be applicable to the Super Bowl? So that's what I was hoping to learn from him. And a big part of my trip here is to gather sound and information on how Las Vegas is becoming. Uh, a big top tier sports destination in the world. All right. And here is part of the interview with Sam Joffrey, executive director of the Las Vegas Super Bowl host committee. This uh, You can also hear this on Going Deep. Uh, so here's the clip. Sam Joffrey with Donovan Bennett. You're bidding, hoping to secure, uh, obviously, the Super Bowl at the time. When I got married, I remember the hotel manager was saying, like, I sell the dream, and then that wedding coordinator delivers the nightmare. And I imagine in some ways the Super Bowl would be somewhat similar. How close to what was bid will be the actual execution on Sunday? In the interim, how many things have changed, either being by addition or by subtraction? Well, first of all, it's really funny you use the, the wedding analogy, because I use that one all the time. When we talk about the NFL and, and Las Vegas in their history of, of forever not being able to even date or court or be seen in public together right. to it's very shakespearean right to, to to now you've got the pro bowl that they kind of courtship and the draft courtship and now the raiders and the stadium and and the super bowl is happening and uh, so the super bowl is kind of like the wedding between uh vegas and the nfl we as the host committee are the, the wedding planners so um at any rate uh Really interesting you use that analogy. So if you if you were to look back at our original bid and compare it to today, I think what's what's most interesting is that I came from New Orleans where f- for 
25 years, major event would come, we knew exactly how to bid on it, we knew exactly what venues, because there is one convention center. There is, you know, the one or two marquee venues that you know are gonna be used for, for this, that, or the other thing. With Super Bowl, we had four convention centers that could have hosted the biggest fan event that the NFL does in the Super Bowl experience. Um, tons of ballroom space, tons of special event venues and restaurants. So what we gave the NFL was a menu um, of all the different opportunities and ways that this could happen. Over the past couple of years, that has now been drilled down, and we're about pencils down moment for all the venues and what it actually looks like. So it's not like we pitched A, and now here we're at version 3. We pitched this menu of items that uh, took a while to kind of drill down. It's a luxury, but it was also kind of a challenge too because venues are holding out for a long time saying, are you gonna use me or not? So there are a lot of sensitivities there and uh, moving pieces to the puzzle. But uh, I think that was the most unique part about the transition from bid to hosting here was what do we take advantage of that Vegas has? So the equivalent for us in Canada would be the Grey Cup in the CFL in that game is very dependent on who's in it and what fan bases are traveling to the key city to see it. Is the same true at all in the Super Bowl? Will the reality of what your team executes and what the feeling will be like inside uh, the strip in Clark Candy be different depending on who's on it? The Las Vegas Raiders aside, obviously. Yeah, there are, there's there's some obvious differences when you start to look at the teams that come and the impact that that has on the on the game and the event. One is proximity. So if you do get a team that's within driving distance, you have a different plan you have to execute for the number of vehicles that are going to be coming and parking and staying um, versus spending patterns. You know, has the team been to the Super Bowl a lot in the past decade and? or is it their first time in 20 years? So there are a lot of variables that go into it. So we, we're always kind of waiting with bated breath until the championship game uh, to see who's going to come. So are you watching Red Zone Channel on a Sunday wishing for a team or a division or wishing not for a team or division because it'll make life better or worse? I, I would say that I'm, I'm, I'm watching every weekend because there are some teams out there that I think would be incredibly exciting here. Uh, but the great thing about Super Bowls, and no matter who gets in it, it's still going to be the Super Bowl. It's it's uh, it's not necessarily going to be the success of the weekend. is not going to be defined by the teams, but it's certainly going to be um, uh, more colorful in one way or another. And you can hear the rest of that interview on the Going Deep podcast. I love the uh, I love the conversation about how much it matters which teams are in it because the honestly you think the super bowl is so big that it doesn't really matter but i feel like with i feel like vegas might be the the outlier in that i don't think it matters which teams are in there because sam sam outlined a different scenario right like the secondary ticket market is is also a different conversation and you guys do kind of touch on that in the interview but i i think because it's vegas and because it's become such a destination for sports fans in general, like you mentioned, I'm very curious to see what this looks like. Like to me, Super Bowl in Vegas, it actually screams chaos because so many people are going to be in the city. Yeah, when he was giving that answer, to be honest, uh, my first thought went to your Buffalo Bill. Oh in boy! In terms of if they were able to get on a run and get there and finally get over the hump, 
you got a fan base that's been dying to be in a Super Bowl, potentially win it. And, you know, at the end of the, the four-year run when we were much younger, you know, naturally there's going to be a little bit of fatigue. Uh, if, you, if you've gone, we saw that with the Patriots where Patriots fans said, ah, you know, we'll probably be in it again. So do I have to go this year? But when you have a fan base who has had that built-up hope to get there and finally does, uh, I see it making a huge impact. Obviously, wouldn't be the issue in terms of driving and parking. Mm-hmm. coming from uh, western new york or canada but yeah some of the contingencies that he mentioned in terms of if it was a relatively you know local you know in air quotes team you know one of the los angeles teams so which doesn't look likely this year potentially or a california team uh, in particular that could drive even Denver, it wouldn't be that bad of a drive, although we know they're not going to be in the Super Bowl. So some of those things I, I found really fascinating. Uh, moving on now, you said uh, L.A. or one of the L.A. teams, and uh, Carson Wentz has a new team, and it is the L.A. Rams. Two things that I thought of. One, what took so long for Carson Wentz to get on a team? Because as much as Carson Wentz is not a very good quarterback, he is still way better than guys that are making starts right now in the NFL or backups that are getting into games. I don't know if it was a, a role thing with him or whatever, but this is a guy who is definitely in need of a change of scenery and somewhere to kind of spark his career or reignite the career as it were. Um, I thought about that. The other thing I thought about is how bad is Matthew Stafford's thumb and are they potentially going to see how things go after the buy? And then could that be something where they shut him down Carson Wentz gets a lot of reps over the course of the next two weeks, and maybe he becomes a little bit more uh, acclimated with their process in L.A., all of that stuff. Um, what was the thing that stood out to you the most when you saw that Carson Wentz signed with the Rams? Well, the Rams are desperate because, to your point, it did take long. The referendum was clear. The entire league was not interested, interested in uh, the capacity to start the year. Uh, of him being a backup because some of the talk around Carson Wentz is that he wasn't necessarily the best teammate. And and when you think of a backup in the NFL, that's a position that is service oriented. You're giving information to the starter, supporting the starter. You're essentially pulling a Heineke and you're, you're, you speak when spoken to, you're there to step in on limited reps if need be like Josh Dobbs, but it's not really about you. We've heard from his previous stops, but that doesn't exactly equate with the player and teammate that Carson Wentz has been. So now when there is a clear pathway to play, when you're not asking Carson Wentz to be a backup and be in the room, but you're asking him to play and to execute, well, to your point, the baseline of talent that he has, despite the injury issue, the turnover issue, just the sheer physical talent that he has is well beyond many of the backups that we've seen. This has been a year where the quarterback position has been somewhat of a conveyor belt. We've already started nine rookies, and a lot of them were fifth-round picks, undrafted players. So certainly Carson Wentz finally getting an opportunity. Let me know that the Rams are really desperate, and maybe to your point that desperation is because of the extent of Stafford's injury. Yeah, and uh, for all those that have Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua shares in uh, fantasy football, yeah, good luck with that. Hmm. Um Another quarterback. Actually, let's get to this one because I know it's quick. Uh, your Cowboys. 
Went out and signed uh, former Steeler, former Raider, former Argonaut, uh, Martavis Bryant. And then I was like, oh, Martavis Bryant's back in the league. That's super interesting. Then I saw that Martavis Bryant is 31. I was absolutely astounded by that number. I could not believe it. I don't know what the Cowboys think that they're getting out of this player, but I do remember a time where Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown were on the same team, and we were talking about maybe the next great duo of Steelers receivers, and, you know, he had the 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 drug issue and got, you know, the NFL stupid for stuff like that. Um, they allow people that beat their wives to stay in the league. But, hey, that's another conversation. Um, I'm assuming you have zero expectations here. Less than zero? Like, <laughs> a zero negative? low. A zero low. You mentioned he's a former Argo. He's a former Argo because he wasn't good enough to play on the Argos. Like, he was not good enough. <laughs> to be a CFL player. Now, granted, it is a different game with a different skill set. and There are lots of players that have come out of the NFL that thought they were going to line up the CFL, and that wasn't the case. But the point is, what has changed since that point and now? What has changed is that his agent has essentially put on social media a video of him working out, doing agility drills. I could show you video of Terrell Owens working mm-hmm. out, doing drills. And he looks like a specimen. You know what he's not going to be doing? He's not going to be lining up on Sunday playing for the Dallas Cowboys because father time is undefeated. And so how about you focus on getting Brandon Cooks to football? How about you do that? The, the free agent acquisition that was supposed to you know, change the, the prospect of people doubling C.D. Lamb, they can't even properly service the receivers that they have, never mind bringing one that, in my estimation, maybe I'll be proven wrong, is clearly over the hill. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that's pretty safe. Uh, the other bit of news that was yesterday, I mean, this is no surprise, but Will Levis officially named the starter of the Titans ahead of Ryan Tannehill. This is Will Levis's team now. And with that being said, he's going to get all the leash in the world outside of injury. That's great. Does he need to prove something? down the stretch here for the Titans to say, this is our guy of the future. Or do you think it's, no, he's the quarterback. He's the guy who's going to lead us for, you know, at least the next couple of years and then we'll figure it out. But we're going to give him a longer leash than just the rest of this season to tell us who he is. I think this season is research and development for them at the position with this player. Learn the job on tax. This is an internship or a fellowship because this season is gone. And this decision, to me, is not a difficult one, which makes their other decision or lack thereof even more questioning. Why is Ryan Tannehill on this football team? You could have moved him at the deadline. He may not have have passed a physical. That may be the only thing, but they should have absolutely made calls, and there was no indication that they did. Yeah, and his injury... You know, it's it's not something that is career threatening. There is an understanding that he was not going to be available right away. But to me, the fact that Tannehill and Derrick Henry are still on this team, you you can't have two timelines at once. And so I think they made the right move in moving to the younger quarterback. I just don't know why they didn't move out some of the older players at the same time. Well, DeAndre Hopkins, Derrick Henry, like unless they have some belief that they're going to get into the playoffs because there are a lot of, you know, teams at four and four that are kind of in the mix or five and three and they and maybe they feel like they can get there. But 
I mean, I don't know. Um, we're going to talk tomorrow about this horrible um, Thursday night matchup between the Bears and the Panthers. Yes, we have to do it. Um, I mentioned this yesterday on the show. After watching how bad, you know, the the Jets were in prime time and how bad the Chargers were, uh, are you at all shocked that they that New York won out as a market and Las Vegas won out as a market that they did not flex that game this coming Sunday between the Jets and the Raiders? Yeah, and maybe the new storylines, the new vibes in New York or in Las Vegas and the opportunity to show Aaron Rodgers pregame throwing 50-yard passes and not walking with a limp. Maybe you do have some massive teams on a bye this week. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, the Dolphins, uh, the Eagles. And so maybe there, there weren't enough great matchups. But yeah, uh, you're going to have to pay me to be excited about this football game. And, and uh, the unfortunate thing is that we got paid to watch it. So yay for us. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for us here on the fan check down. Uh, thank you very much to Lance Kennedy behind the glass, Donovan Bennett uh, across North America. He will be back in the studio tomorrow. Uh, safe travels, my friend. And uh, we will see you back here uh, bright and early. All right. That's it for us. The fan check down on the sports net radio network. Matt Marchese signing off. We'll chat with you tomorrow. Thank you.